So the people who study these things, and to be honest, I have absolutely no idea who they are, but those people who study these things aren't entirely sure, but they think that we are either finishing or still in the middle of what we're calling the Great Resignation. Maybe you've heard that term before, maybe you haven't, but man, it was a thing in 2021. What the Great Resignation is, or hopefully was, is a phenomenon that described record numbers of people leaving their jobs after the pandemic ended. And this is all according to the World Economic Forums. They said that a record, listen to this, 4.4 million Americans left their job in September 2021. That and, and that was accelerating a trend that had begun months earlier. For six straight months, we have exceeded pre-pandemic levels of people leaving their jobs. And now, I'm sure you've felt the effects of this. Employers, especially in low-wage sectors, are struggling to fill those open positions. The great resignation. People are leaving their jobs in droves. They're some moving on to new jobs. Some are switching careers. Some just moving because of the pandemic. But what's crazy is in September alone, four half million people left their job. But really, I don't know that we should be that shocked because for years, people haven't really liked their jobs. I mean, some have, some jobs aren't that bad, but I think for the most part, if you were to ask, you know, most people, hey, do you love your job? You probably wouldn't get a good answer. In fact, just recently, Gallup did a study, and Gallup found that as many as 85% of employees had become dissatisfied and unengaged in their work. That's a big number. More than eight out of 10 people working at a job said, eh, I can take it or leave it. See, see, that's huge. Um, but our work, when we think about work, it was never really meant to be this way. And maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, Chip, why are you starting out talking about work and people quitting their jobs and how many people are unsatisfied with their jobs? Because quite honestly, work is a big part of our lives. Whether you have a nine to five job, whether you are a stay at home mom or retired, you're still working. As humans, we work and our work wasn't meant to be a drain in our lives. Our work wasn't meant to be something that we dread when the alarm goes off on Monday mornings. You see, God created our work to be so much more than that. And that's why we're going into the series called to more. And really the thought that you're going to hear us say over and over and over again is that through our work, we are called to join God in his work to redeem and reconcile a sin-broken world to himself. That is at the heart what our work is, some, is supposed to be. And that's a big idea. That's potentially a life-changing, world-changing idea. And so as we begin this series called To More, what I want to do is take some time and really unpack that together and figure out what we mean. What do we mean when we say that our work was meant to be so much more? What do we mean when we say that our work is, is where we're called by God to join him in his work? Well, let, let's start at the very beginning and start here with this idea that at the beginning, work was designed as a good gift from our good father. If you got your Bibles this morning or phone or wherever you look at it, go with me to Genesis chapter one, because as I said, this goes back to the very beginning. And here's what we read in Genesis chapter one, verse 27. It says, 
So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed to them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth. Everything having the breath of life in it. I've given him every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning for the sixth day. So what we read here is at the end of the creation account. God begins in Genesis day one, creating the world, speaking what we know into existence. At the pinnacle of creation, on day six, God creates Adam and Eve. And then on day seven, he rested. What we want to look at here are the circumstances surrounding Adam and Eve. Because what you're going to see is this. After God created Adam and Eve, he did two things. He blessed them, the text said, and then he gave them a job. He said, fill the earth and subdue it. Now, there's, there's a lot packed in there. And we, we could spend weeks just talking about this passage, even those phrases, fill the earth and subdue it. But there's really a couple of very important things that I think we can see pretty easily that I want to show you in our text that help us understand work and why it's so important. First, I think you see in that text that after God created Adam and Eve, he blessed them. He gave them then work to do. And what was that work specifically? Go back and look at the text. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So what what does that mean, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it? Does that mean have babies and cut the grass, or, or does it mean something more? See, I think the idea here is that Adam and Eve were to cultivate God's creation, God had just spent six days creating all that we see, the sky, the sea, the birds, the plants, the animals. He created all of this, and then he charges Adam and Eve to cultivate it. What do we mean when we say cultivate? I think maybe this is a good way to understand it. Adam and Eve were to bring a fullness and a usefulness to creation through their effort, through their work. This isn't in an exploitive way, not in a way uh, that is bad, that just consumes, that neglects. We're not looking at the earth and saying it's trash, but, but when we say that we're to bring a fullness and a usefulness to it, it's in a way that tames creation, that trains creation. Really, Adam and Eve were ruling creation as God's representative in his stead. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, But at its heart, that's what our work today is still to be. Our work today is still to bring order to society, to cultivate creation through technology, through knowledge, through our effort. When we show up at our work on Monday morning, whether it be at a job or at our home, our work is still doing our part to bring a fullness and a usefulness to our world. But that's not all. The next thing we see is that God worked in creation and then he created man, this is the phrase, in his image to also be a worker. See, in the beginning, God created and then he rested from his work. Work was not some meaningless toil, but from the beginning, work was a part of God's divine plan. And then he passed that work on to man. God was a worker. He created us to be a worker. 
And I think it's important to remember that God gives each person gifts. Now, we talk about spiritual gifts that we receive after salvation when we are filled with the Spirit. But whether you know Jesus or not, you've been given a gift from God. You've been given skills, you've been given talents, you've been given abilities that you are to use to play your role in creativity, in cultivation, and in ultimately bringing a fullness and a usefulness to this world, to our society. That's what it means for humanity to flourish. So from the very beginning, God gave man gave man work and he made man to work in his image. But finally, maybe more important than all of that is we see that God called all of this good. So after God gives Adam and Eve a job, after it says they're creating his image as a worker, reflecting on his creation, he looks at the work that he's given Adam and Eve and he says that this work is good. So maybe you need to hear this today. Work is not a curse. It's a blessing. Work is a good gift from a good creator for our benefit and for our blessing. And that's how, through our work, we're called to join God in his work to redeem and to reconcile. But if we're being honest, that's not been our experience with work, at least most of the time. I mean, maybe you've had a job that you've loved. Maybe there's some things you work at that you really enjoy. But if we're being honest, when we look at this Eden picture of work, this picture of work in the very beginning, God saying to bring fullness and usefulness to the world, that's not what we feel about our work. We feel that something is wrong and we're right because something did go wrong. The work that we experience now isn't the work that God intended it to be. If you've got your Bible still open, flip over just a page to Genesis chapter three. Let's see what went wrong. In Genesis chapter three, we see Adam and Eve plunge the world into sin. They disobey God's command. They doubt God's command. They trust the serpent instead, and they sin. And their sin brings with it consequences. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Let's read some of those consequences. It says, And he, God, said to the man, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the day of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust and you will return to dust. So what we see here is that sin broke the world. Sin broke the world. It didn't just break our relationship with God, but it broke the creation that God had given us and sin broke our work. If you've ever wondered why you dread getting up on a Monday morning, this is at least part of it. I mean, I'm not saying it's the whole reason, but this is at least part of it. See, like we said, the world that we experience now isn't the world as it was intended to be. This world is cursed and broken by sin. This means our work is too. And quite honestly, so are the people that you work with. So if you ever had a hard day at work, this is why. It all goes back to sin. The work that was initially a good gift from our good father, now, God says, is going to bring pain along with our effort. 
And see, I think that's a, a really unique thought because when God gave Adam and Eve work in the garden, it was before the world was corrupted by sin and he said that work was good. But now after we have sinned, after the earth being broken, our work and effort now bring with it pain. And we don't know what it is like to work without growing tired. We don't know what it is like to work without being stressed. We don't know what it's like to work without being frustrated. But be sure the things that we experience now aren't how God intended those things to be. In his book, Every Good Endeavor, which by the way, I highly encourage you to pick up and read, Every Good Endeavor by Pastor Tim Keller. Pastor Tim walks us through how work broken by sin has now become a few different things. First of all, he says that our work now broken by sin has become fruitless. What does that mean? It means that it does not bring us the satisfaction that we are looking for. I know that there is a certain satisfaction in a job well done, but the truth is no matter how hard you work, no matter what kind of work you do, that work will never bring you the true and lasting satisfaction that you're looking for. Yeah, you may get a high off of a completed project. You may get an adrenaline rush off of a great sale, but that satisfaction is going to fade. Work is ultimately now because of sin, fruitless. Work now because of sin has become pointless. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean this, that the world is broken beyond our repair, and no matter how hard we work, there's always going to be more to do. Work never ends. Projects may end, contracts may be signed, it may be the end of the harvest season, but it's all going to come around again. If you cut your grass, you're going to have to cut it again. Why? Because no matter how hard we work, our work never ends. You can never work enough. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. You can't work enough. Your work is ultimately pointless. But maybe beyond both of those things, Pastor Tim nails it when he says, above all, our work has become selfish. Our work has become more about making a name for ourselves and our own status than by providing any meaningful purpose of cultivating, of bringing a fullness uh, and a usefulness to the world. Just, just think about that for a second. Let, let's camp out there. Think about how quick we are when we meet somebody new to ask them, well, what do you do? Or to tell them, hey, this is what I do. Why? Because in an American meritocracy, our work and in some subcultures, the type of work and some subcultures, the lack of work, but our identification with work has become our biggest flex. Hey, look at how big my salary is. Hey, look how creative and non-mainstream my job is. Hey, look how unimportant work is to me. But it's so funny that our relationship to work is at the core of our identity now. Our work has become selfish. Why else is it such a status symbol? But see, even beyond that, it goes so much deeper. This broken work that has become fruitless, pointless, and really selfish this broken work has actually created more work for us. It's given us what Pastor Tim says is work under the work. That, that's kind of a weird phrase. Let's unpack that. What does he mean? Well, see, because sin has broken our work and made it pointless, fruitless, selfish, now when we work, what we're doing is we try to create through our work ultimate meaning, ultimate purpose, fulfillment, and identity for ourselves. 
We don't just work to work, but we work to prove something. We work to prove just who we are. We work to affirm our identity. We work so that we believe we have purpose. We work to give our life meaning. And that's why I think as many as 85% of us aren't happy with our work. And it's the reason four and a half million people left their job to find greener pastures because we're trying to get close to what we're looking for because our work now just isn't doing it. Maybe you moved to a new job and now you're frustrated again. Maybe you got the promotion that you were looking for and you're more stressed out than ever. Maybe you quit your job to stay home with the kids and you wonder why you're still so unhappy and so unfulfilled. Listen to me. Your job, your work, your hobbies, none of that was ever meant to bring you meaning, purpose, identity, or fulfillment. Nothing, no job is ever gonna do that and it never will. But there is hope, not just for us, but beyond that, that there is hope for our work. And here's the hope. The same gospel that gives us hope for the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life in heaven offers us hope for our work right here, right now, and even tomorrow morning when your alarm goes off. Let me read to you Paul's words in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says this, He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So what, what's Paul saying here? Maybe it was tough for you to, guess, to, to get, but, but I really think, here's what Paul's saying. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he not only purchased our redemption, but the redemption of all of creation. And that has to include our work. It, it, that's such a big statement. What does it mean that Jesus redeems our work? What do we do if we believe Jesus redeems our work? And if we believe it's true, how do we bring that truth that our work is redeemed and finds hope in the gospel? How do we bring that truth to bear on our works at our job on Monday morning? Here's how. need you to listen to me. When we find our meaning our purpose, our fulfillment, and our identity in the gospel, in Jesus, it frees us to see our work in a brand new light. See, I think that there's people who really just see their work one of two ways. They see their work as, man, I know I have to have a job, but I'm not going to give that much of myself to it because if I die, they're just going to hire somebody to replace me. My work is not important. I just have to do it uh, to, to get a paycheck. And there's other people who say, no, my work is my life. 
My work is my identity. My career is what I've given everything to. And maybe you would say, well, Chip, I'm not either one of those, but I think most people at least lean one way or the other. But I think when we see the gospel and understand the gospel and its implications for our work, it creates a middle road between the two. Our jobs can now be about more than just our paycheck, but they're far less than the soul-crushing weight of our ultimate hopes and dreams. There's a middle road here. And we're going to look at that middle road this week. We're going to look at, or in the weeks to come, we're going to look at that middle road in this series. What we're going to see over the next two weeks is that we are called to more than just a job. And by properly seeing our work as good, but not fulfilling, as meaningless, but yet necessary, we can begin to find the true purpose in our work. And that is that through our work, we are called to join God in his work of redemption and reconciliation. So I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're in the camp that you just can't stand going to work. You're already dreading showing up tomorrow morning and you're not giving any thought to it other than just sheer despair. Or maybe you're in the camp of your work is your life and you've given all of yourself to it. Well, today, I want to challenge you to, through the gospel, see your work in a brand new light. Here's what I want you to know. God has a plan and a purpose for you and for your work. Your job, wherever it is, whatever it is, it's more than just a job. You see, you're not just somebody's employee, but you're called by your creator. Your work isn't just a place that you've wound up, but it's a place you've been placed with a purpose on purpose. You were called to so much more than having a career or working a nine to five. You are called by God to join him in his work of redeeming and reconciling this world to himself. And when you get that, when you understand that, it makes it exciting to wake up on Monday morning. So I hope you'll join with us as we go through these next two weeks and really look at how we continue to bring that truth to bear on our works, but maybe for today, you'll stop and you'll see your work a little bit differently. Let me pray for you. God, we're thankful for this time that you've given us to look in your word and, and begin to understand our work a little bit different. God, I pray that because of the hope of the gospel, we will find hope for our work that it'll be more than just a paycheck, that it'll be less than the fulfillment of our hopes and dreams, but that we will see our work through the lens of the gospel and understand that it is there for a purpose, that we are called to so much more, and you've invited us to, through our work, join you in your work. God, I pray that over the next few weeks, as we begin to really understand and unpack that, that you would use it in our lives to draw us closer to you and to change the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.